Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, here we go. Uh, I love that we're doing one service uh, because I think the people that typically come to the nine are like, oh my gosh, I got to sleep in a little bit more. And those that are 11 are like, okay, we made it. We made it happen. So glad that you're all here with us. Love that you're here with us. But tis the season for resolutions, right? Uh, This is the time each year in which people collectively have kind of come off the three-month hiatus of Halloween, then Thanksgiving, then Christmas, that are holidays that all are marked by butter, fat, and sugar, right? So reminder, we have a potluck after this. So diet starts tomorrow, right? So uh, this is the time each year in which we kind of collectively as a culture kind of think about resolutions. And I actually love this time of year because I'm a natural goal setter. Like I love peeling away, spending some time with the Lord and thinking about, okay, God, where am I right now? How am I leading myself? How am I leading my family? How am I leading uh, in ministry and at work? And, And then where do you want me to go? And then on top of all of that, how am I going to get there over the next couple of weeks, couple of months, couple of years? And so I actually really love goal setting because the reality of it is like resolutions are simply this. You're looking down the corridor of time and you see a future version of yourself. And you begin to ask yourself, okay, how am I going to get there? What do I need to change about how I think, how I live, what I eat, how I exercise, how I sleep? And you begin to think, okay, what are the steps I need to get to where I want to be? That's what a resolution is, looking down the corridor of time and seeing a future version of yourself and going, what do I need to do to get there? And the reality of it is all of us have a future version of ourselves in our minds. Someone who is sleeping more, exercising more, uh, working out more, uh, running more, a lot of exercise themes right now, but eating better, sleeping better, uh, making more money, uh, spending more time with family, spending less time at work, whatever that future version of yourself, we all have one. And the reality of it is the world is not shy about presenting to you what that future version of yourself should be and how you should get there. And so for illustration, I, uh, over the break, started uh, looking around on YouTube and I wanted to start eating healthier. And so I clicked on one video about how to eat healthier. Uh, Like I said, I've been kind of eating a little bit more than is uh, medically helpful. And I have what the medical community calls dad bod. It is a, yes, thank you. It is a medical condition impacting millions of men Every single year, it's when your arms look okay because you're lifting kids all the time, but everything else just isn't looking the way you want it to look like, right? And so you might be thinking, man, Derek, you look great. One, thank you. I needed that. But two, this shirt that I bought last year, I could button. So not going to try to button it in front of you, all right? So I clicked on a video of how to eat better. One video, one video. And then all of a sudden the algorithm started going, right? And then next video, next video, the next like hundred videos were like, not just how to eat better, but like how to eat better, when to eat better, 
foods that you thought were good but are actually bad for you, foods that you thought were bad that are actually good for you. And then all of a sudden the algorithm was like, oh, this person wants to eat better. They probably wanna work out more. So here's another video, how to get shredded in six months. Next video, how to get shredded in six weeks. And I'm no mathematician, but six weeks is shorter than six months. So I clicked on that video and down the rabbit trail I went. Culture has no, I mean, is not shy about what you should be and how you should get there. And so the question I wanna ask this morning is not what culture wants for us in 2023, but what does God want for us? Because God also has in his mind who he wants you to be, a future version of yourself that he doesn't love more, but he wants to work in you and through you so that you can move into a realm of Christ-likeness and become more and more about who God has for you and the life that he has for you that so you could experience more joy, more peace, more satisfaction in this life because of your relationship and your walking with God in Jesus Christ. And so I wanna look at what does God want us to be like in this next year? But then spend the bulk of our time going, okay, then what do we need to do in order to get there? And what's the motivational factor to help us go, not just for the rest of the day, but for the rest of the year and the rest of our lives? And so what God wants for us is actually quite clear. He wants us to look like his son. Throughout scripture, when God expresses his heart for his people and how much he loves and cares for them, he puts this picture in front of his people that says, look, I want you to look like my son. In Romans 8, it says this, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? To be conformed into the image of his son. Why? In order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. And so God's heart for you is that you would be conformed into the image of Christ, that you would look more like him, you would love like him, you would lead like him. And as you move throughout this life, you would be a person that looks more like Jesus. And that's not so that God would love you more, but rather so that you would actually love God more and you would walk more deeply with him and you would experience the life that God has for you full of joy peace and patience and goodness and satisfaction and self-control and love. That's what he wants for you. He's a good dad and he's navigating you through this life and he wants you to take you from where you are at and move you to where he wants you to go and it's Christ-likeness. And so if that's the image of what God wants for us, how do we get there? Well, we're gonna be looking in Romans 12 verses one to two and my hope is this this morning is as we look through the corridor of time and we would see a future version of ourselves and it would be the version that God is seeing, someone that is marked by Christ-likeness. And the way that we would get there is what's found in Romans chapter 12, that we would inform our thinking by God. Then as we think God's thoughts, we would submit our lives to that God as we submit our lives and make that decision that we would submit our lives to God, then we would follow the will of God in our lives. That's what this passage is all about. And so let me read to you Romans 12, one and two. Romans 12 says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
And so the first thing we see in this passage is how do we inform our thinking by God? And where I get that is actually just one singular word. You see, Romans 12 begins by using the word therefore. And Bible study 101, every time you see the word therefore, what do you ask? What is it there for? Great job. You see, Romans 12 comes after Romans 1 through 11. And so Romans 1 through 11 is all about orthodoxy, right thinking. Romans 1 through 11 is this beautiful depiction of who God is, what he's done in this world. What does it look like to follow him? What's the sanctified life look like? What does the sovereignty of God look like in our day-to-day life? That is what Romans 1 through 11 is about. It's all orthodoxy. It's right thinking about God. But then Romans 12 through 16 is all orthopraxy. It's right living in light of this right thinking. And as you read through your New Testament letters over and over and over again, this is the exact structure that Paul and the other writers of the New Testament understood something fundamental about what it means to be human and what does it mean to be Christian. That the Bible isn't there just to give you a bunch of things to do, but rather it begins by informing the way that you think. Because what you think about is what you care about. And what you care about, you end up chasing with your life. Right thinking leads to right living. And so right here in Romans 12, it says the word, therefore, based on everything that's come before about who God is, what he wants for us, what he's done for us, how he sees you, how he sees the world, how he sees everything around us, and how we should be seeing things through his eyes, therefore, I want you to live in light of that. I want you to live a life that's marked by right thinking that leads to right living. So the first thing we need to do, if we're gonna change, if we're gonna transform, is we need to think rightly. We need to inform our minds with the things of God. But there's two problems that face all of us. The first problem is bad theology. So many of us are biblically illiterate we do not spend time in God's word. So when we hear a news report, a podcast, a social post, we have no filter. And so we take everything else as gospel except for the actual gospel. And what we have done slowly in our culture, in our society, and even our Christian culture, because I hear it all the time, hey, have you heard what this guy said? Have you heard what this guy said? Instead of, hey, what does the scriptures actually say? What we have done is we have delegated our thinking to other people. People online, influencers, people that are going to post, and we just have delegated that so much so that we're now delegating our human thinking to artificial intelligence. Let them think for me. And we've become what the Proverbs have said as foolish people who can't even think for ourselves. We've become what Paul says in his last letter before he died. We have become people that have fallen into this prophetic word that says this, that for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and turn away from listening to the truth and wander off in a mist. That sound familiar? That sound like the world we're living in? that we just go into our little bubble and we just kind of go to find people that are going to say things that already agree with what we already think. And we just kind of have that part of our ear itched. Oh yeah, that feels good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Say that again. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I think. That's what should be said. And all of a sudden we've deceived ourselves because we're letting other people inform us and not the word of God inform us. 
And as Christians, we should be fundamentally different because that's what it says here. As for you, always be sober-minded. I want you to think rightly. Endure suffering because it's coming if you're gonna speak truth to a world that hates it. Do the work of an evangelist. You get the word of God out there. You fulfill your ministry that God has placed you in a specific environment and location, not to be a parrot of our culture, but to be a prophet to it and be a priest to it and be a preacher to it. So some of you this year, you need to delete some apps from your phone. You need to spend a lot less time fear scrolling the news. You need to take a fast from certain podcasts. And you might be thinking, well, Derek, look, that's just, look, I'm just staying informed, right? I just need to know what's happening every moment of every day of every second. I mean, it's just YouTube. It's just Instagram. We're asking the wrong questions when we think that way. Because the question is not what is it, The question is, what is it doing to us? The questions we should be asking is, what I'm doing drawing me closer to Jesus or is it distracting me from Jesus? That's the filter that we need to be approaching life with. Because the truth is, even good things can be a distraction from Jesus. I remember in college, uh, my roommates and I, it was like my first community group that I was really in, like just people that were like, love the Lord and were trying to move towards Christ-likeness. And so we got started getting into like all of like the big names theologically of the day. So like John Piper or C.S. Lewis and um, a, a number of other people we started kind of assuming every single thing that they were writing and uh, thinking about. And so we started quoting them a lot. Like we were real cool, right? But we started quoting them and, and it got to a point in which we as people that wanted to grow in Christ-likeness, not John Piper-ist, or Matt chandler ist or whoever, we started to stop ourselves and go, look, every time you quote someone that's not God, you have to give me five Bible verses that verify what they're actually saying. And some of you, you need to do that because you've consumed information about God everywhere but God's word. And you're letting other people think for you instead of thinking God's thoughts after him and being informed with your thinking by the word of God. And so we started doing that. And I'll tell you, it transformed the way that I began to think, began to feel, began to live, because there's something uniquely different about the word of God that no preacher can get across. We say it all the time, the best communicator here at City Bridge is the word of God teaching you by the spirit of God to shine a light on the glory of God through the son of God. My name isn't in that little sentence. Neither is Jeff or anyone else that comes up here. And so the first problem we address that we have to get right is bad theology. The second problem is toxic thinking. Bad theology leads to bad thinking about ourselves, about God, about the world around us. And one of the biggest problems in your life is what you choose to think about what you choose to dwell on. You have little to no control over what thoughts pop into your head, but you have a lot more control than you think about, about what you choose to dwell on. You have, if you're a believer, you have Holy Spirit-inspired choices that you can make to resist thoughts, to take those thoughts captive by God. I know in my own life, this is one of my biggest ditches. 
I begin to think about things over and over and over and rolling through my head. And those things can sometimes be neutral, but they are often untrue, unhelpful, and ungodly. And if it's not true, helpful, and godly, then I shouldn't be lingering on them. And so that's how we operate. So my question for you is what occupies your mind throughout the day? What do you find yourself thinking about? What rolls around in your head? What do you inadvertently meditate on constantly? What do you go to bed thinking about, dreaming about, being frustrated with, being angry over? What's that thing for you? We as believers ought to fundamentally think different. Philippians 4 says this, finally brothers, finally sisters, whatever is true, Whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is commendable, are you getting the idea? If there's anything excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think, dwell, roll around in your head, meditate on these things. You are becoming what you are beholding. You are becoming what you are taking in. And what you think about, you begin to care about. What you care about, you begin to chase. And so the second problem we have to deal with is toxic thinking. First problem, bad theology. Second problem, toxic thinking. The good news is that the solution of both of these problems is found in one thing, and it's God's word. That Isaiah 55 says it this way, for my, this is God talking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than yours and my ways higher than your ways. We have the distinct privilege as believers in Jesus Christ to not just Google information, but actually think God's thoughts after him. To have our minds renewed, restored, and refocused in on objective truth, which is God to see him, to see ourselves, and to see others the way that he does. And that's why Bible-based is one of our core values, that we at City Bridge will never stop learning, teaching, preaching, living by, and leading by the word of God. So you wanna change, you wanna transform. It begins with informing your thinking by the words of God. The second thing is as you take those words in, we're called to submit our lives to that God. Romans 12 continues by saying this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So each and every week, we say the same phrase at the end of every single time we meet together. You know what it is? Have a great week of worship. And we don't mean just leave here singing for the next seven days. I mean, you can do that. But worship is a life that's lived in submission to the God that is. Worship is the ongoing moment-by-moment -moment offering to God of your life. It's why we say, have a great week of worship. It's rooted in this verse that we should be living moment by moment, day by day, in a state and in a posture of submitting our lives to God. And when we do so, it says that that is holy and acceptable that it's holy, that you are fundamentally put in a different category. Holy means separated or set apart, that when you live like the way you're supposed to live, submitting your life to the things of God, you are going to look different than the world around you. You are going to be wholly separated from them. But as you do that, it is acceptable in the eyes of God that what you begin to do and think and live, please him. 
And I love that when it says this, that as we worship, it says that we're worshiping in this spiritual worship. Now that word spiritual is a little unique to translate. It's the Greek word logizomai. Logizomai. It's where we get the word logical. That this is actually your logical worship. Like think about that for a second. Like based off of everything that God has done for you, who he is and what he's done and, and how he's impacted your life. And if you're a believer, how he's taken you from the domain of darkness and put you in the kingdom of his beloved son and you can now walk with him and enjoy him and have this life and life abundant, the most logical thing you can do is submit your life to God. It is the most clear-cut, straightforward, no-brainer reality set before you. And yet it's one of the things we often struggle with the most because we actually don't believe the things that God says about himself. So we keep trying to find life in places it can't be found. But when you understand the reality and you are informing your minds about the things of God, all of a sudden you go, man, the most logical thing it's to live my life in a posture of submission to that God. And let me be clear. The passage says that that's a sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. Christianity has a really big yes involved with it. That as you walk with Christ, you begin to experience the life that God has for you. As you bring glory to the God of the universe. As your life is marked by joy, peace, patience, goodness, satisfaction, all these things that our hearts desperately want and we keep trying to find it in other things and God is saying, I'm giving it to you and it's only found in me. It has this big yes to it, but it also has a big no to it. That there might be certain things this year that you need to say no to. And that's true with any goal, right? You want six pack abs? Don't eat Max's donuts. I'm sorry, I really wish it was different. I really wish it was different. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. But every goal works that way. You wanna be more productive? Stop binge watching things. Put your phone away. You wanna be more transformed into Christ-likeness. There's gonna be certain things that you can say yes to and walk in a more deeper relationship with God and others in this life, but there's also things that you're gonna to have to say no to. It's a sacrifice that you have to do, but what you get is so much better. You get the fruit of walking deeply with God by the Spirit of God as you're transformed more and more into the image of the Son of God. We submit our lives to God. It's the most logical things we can do. It's a sacrifice, but it's one worth making. And then from there, as we inform our minds about the things of God, as we make that commitment to submit our lives to God, then we follow the will of God. We put our yes on the altar before him and say, I will go where you tell me to go. I will be where you tell me to be. You have my yes. Now, what do you need me to do? What do you want of me? And that's where the verse continues. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This passage has only two commands in this verse. It's do not be conformed and be transformed. The first one is do not be conformed by this world. 
That word conformed has the idea of it, of like if you've ever played with Play-Doh, I know I've used that illustration before, but I'm a dad, so it's gonna keep coming up. You take Play-Doh and you have those little molds, right? And you take the Play-Doh and you push it into, you take the mold and you push it into the Play-Doh and what do you have? You have a, something that's conformed into a certain image. And it doesn't matter what you press that thing into, it's gonna come out the same thing every single time. And that's the business of the world, conformity. You live your truth just like everyone else. I don't know if you were like me, but in high school, when all the nonconformists became nonconformist, they all started dressing exactly alike. <laughs> Even nonconformity is a form of conformity. And that's what the world wants for you. And you begin to look out at the world and you see the same exact thing playing out, that those that have divorced themselves from the things of God in the person of Jesus Christ begin to have the same talking points same words that they use, same rhetoric, and we have forgotten to think for ourselves, and so we have just delegated that to other people, and then we've become parrots of them. We've become conformed into the world's standards, and there is billion-dollar industries that want you to conform into one image. But God wants something more of you, something better for you, not to become formed, but to be transformed. And that's one of my favorite words in the New Testament. It's the Greek word metamorphos, metamorphos. It's what's used to describe a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Where the world wants you to conform into the same exact pattern over and over and over again, if you step out of line, you're wrong. God wants to do something so unique. He wants to make you a new type of person. He wants to transform you into something completely and utterly new. I was once asked, like, hey, if everyone's just kind of being transformed into Christ's likeness, won't we all be just exactly the same? And the answer to that is no. We'll be marked by joy, peace, love, patience, all those fruits of the spirits, but we will be uniquely who God has made us. We will actually be what God wants of us in this life. We will be transformed into the fullest expression of who God made you to be. And that's why the Bible is so critical to our growth. That the Bible is not a list of do's and don'ts, but rather it is a lens by which we see the God that is. And we begin to love what God loves, hate what God's hates, and do what God desires, not out of a compulsion, but rather because we have a new nature. We have a new identity. We have a new love. We have been transformed. So what's interesting is that both of these commands are passive. That means something is being done to you. And that's reality. Whether you're being conformed by the world or being transformed by the word of God, something is happening to you. The Christian life is not a neutral stance. We're either moving towards Christ's likeness or we're drifting back into the conformity of the world. But something's being happened to you. And so if that's reality, then what's our role in that process? Well, a phrase that we've used before is the phrase to be actively passive, that you would actively come before the God who is. You would actively follow his will as he passively, as, as he actively and you passively receive what he's doing in you and what he's doing through you. And so if we're supposed to change, then how do we actually accomplish that? We're supposed to inform our minds and submit to him and follow his will, so many of us can fall into the trap of like white knuckling that. 
and then we're in the same spot we were this time last year. And yet the passage gives us three ways of not just what we're supposed to do, but actually how we're supposed to get there. And if you look at the passage, what you see is three times it says the word by the, that it's by the mercies of God, by the renewal of your mind, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, that these are the means by which God has given us. And so how are we transformed? First, it's by the mercies of God. That God's mercy is overflowing from the throne of God towards you. And it's God's mercy that meets you where you're at, but it's also God's mercy that begins to transform you into who he desires of you. That this is not you trying harder. This is you trusting. And like we'll talk about next week, this is you training in a life of Christ-likeness. And it's rooted not in your own self-effort. It's rooted first and foremost in the mercies of God that God doesn't love some future version of you more than he loves the version of you right now. I know a lot of you think that. I used to think that all the time. There's some future Derek that God is just more in love with and if I get there, then all of a sudden he'll be more happy with me and that's not the case. He loves you right now and his mercy meets you where you're at but he loves you too much to leave you there because he knows that there's something more, more joy, more love, more experiencing what it's like to know and follow Jesus and so it begins by the mercies of God but then it continues by the renewal of your mind. That we are a group of people that spend time in the word of God, not because that's what good little Christians do, but because there's something about encountering the word of God, reading it as it reads you, that it actually does something in you and then does something through you in order that we would be conformed, transformed into who God wants us to be. So we study it, we think about it, We meditate upon it. We share it with others. We let it be the driving force of how we see and view this world. Because there's a lot of thoughts coming at us that want to dictate how we see the world around us. And there's one objectively true reality before us, and that's God and his word. And and we need to see the world through that. So it's by the mercies of God. It's by the renewal of your mind. And then it's by testing and practicing God's will. It's not just reading it and having a cute little quiet time. It's responding to it. It says in the passage that you would test the word of God, that you would discover his will, what God actually wants for you. And as you begin to follow that, you would begin to see what is good and acceptable and perfect. That word perfect means whole, complete. That you would begin to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you've been called in Christ. As you walk in the mercies of God, as you renew your mind, and as you begin to respond to the word of God by testing and practicing the very word of God. So the questions I want to close with is this. What is that thing in your life that you think, man, I don't know if that's ever going to change? I've been struggling with that thing for years, and you've just kind of resolved, this is who I'm going to be, this is what I'm like. What is that for you? I'll tell you, I've been through seasons of my life in which I just kept on having something that God was working on either in me or through me that I just kind of kept on getting to the end of myself and going, God, I just don't know if I'm ever gonna change in this area. In college, it was depression. God, I just don't know if I'm ever gonna get out of this like perpetual fog in my life and this is just what existence is for me. Out of college, it was anxiety. I go, God, I don't know if I'm ever gonna get out of this. Out of that was fear. It's like I kept moving from one to the next, right? And then it was control. Then it was overprotection. Then it was 
Now it's just letting my situation kind of inform my joy. And in each time, I had to get to the end of myself and to begin to pray, God, I can't change myself, but God, you can. And so God, would you? And every single time, it was almost like the same playbook got played in my life in which I would confront something that I just couldn't overcome. And God was like, that's the point. I'm not looking for you to white knuckle your way through life. I'm looking for you to cling deeply to me and walk into dependence with me. And so as you walk in that dependence, I began to spend lengthy time with God. I would pray constantly. I would read God's word. I would meditate on it. I would open it up with friends of like, hey, this is what's really going on in my life. I would confess sins, but also confess that I wanna be more like Christ. And so what are areas of my life that I need to grow in? How can y'all help me with this? And I began to be both reactive and proactive that I was reactive, that when those little motions or feelings or thoughts came up or actions that I did, I would all of a sudden have this, what's called a planned biblical response in which I would go, okay, what does the word of God have for me in this moment? So I would pull out my phone that had this little you know, note in it or I'd pull out like a note card and I'd go, okay, number one, just be still and know that I'm God. Okay, God's in control. He's got this, he's present, he's near. Okay, number two, pray. Let your anxieties be made known to the Lord pray. Okay, number three, I'm going to dwell on what's true and what's noble and what's honorable. I'm going to grab verses that speak to my specific situation. I'm going to meditate on those to reprogram my brain. And then from there, I'm going to, I'm going to text a friend or someone, another brother in Christ and go, hey guys, I'm struggling with this thing right now. Not a week ago, right now. I'm str- I need y'all's prayer. I need your encouragement. I need other verses I haven't thought about. Number five, would peel away and just kind of analyze, man, how did I get here? What led me here? And then number six, I would just go, okay, God, you got this. I know you want to transform me, and so I'm yours. And every single time, it was a long-fought battle. It was hard. It was difficult. It was two steps forward, one step backwards, one step left, one step right. I mean, it was, but it was a fight worth having. Because over the years, as I've more and more informed my thinking, submitted my life to God and followed his will, I've seen more joy and less scars in my life because of the very things we've talked about today. And I am far from perfect in any of those categories I just listed. And like right now, as I'm thinking about next year, I'm going, okay, I way too often let my situation kind of impact my joy. I don't know if you're like that in which you go, hey, a bad day with work or with kids or just in life in general, all of a sudden you're just kind of in a funky mood. I mean, that's often for me. And I go, okay, if my joy is in Jesus, my life is in Jesus, then these things can be real and they can be hard, but they shouldn't be impacting my joy. So I'm working through that myself this year. So here's to the new year. I wanna grow more into Christ's likeness and I want all my friends here to do the same because that's what God has for us. And so as we close, here's two challenges that I believe are from God to you based on off our passage. The first is to check your reality. And what I mean by that is I think today, this week, whether it's your community group, your roommates, your spouse, that you would ask them, hey, where have you seen me grow this past year? How do I look more like Christ in certain areas? How do I not look like Christ in certain areas? What are areas that you think I should grow in that, would, that as I look down the corridor of time in 2023, I would look more like Christ 
as I love, as I serve, what is that? You need to check your reality and not just with yourself, but with the community of people around you that God has placed around you that might see things that you don't. And from there, I think a lot of us need to change our resolutions. That as we look at our lives, as we look down the corridor of time and we see that future version of ourselves, my hope is that we would begin to go, okay, that version of myself, maybe you got a six pack abs. I'm not down on that, right? Workout, exercise, that's great. But I hope that as you look down the corridor of time, you see someone who looks more like Jesus at the end of this year than you do at the beginning of this year. And the way you get there isn't by white knuckling, but by informing your mind, submitting your life, and following the will of God. And as you do so, you would do so by the mercies of God, by renewing your mind, by living out the word of God. That's my hope for us. Those are resolutions worth making. And those are resolutions worth keeping. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.